Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us tonight on Sweet Liberty. Today is Wednesday, and I hope you can hear me over the chiming grandfather clock. Today is Wednesday, the 5th of July in the year 2006. And I'll begin here with our spiritual message, as we always do. And this, once again, is from A Course in Miracles. Uh, from the workbook, page 7777, the presence of fear is a sure sign that you're trusting in your own strength. That's something to think about. The presence of fear is a sure sign that you're trusting in your own strength. And Alan Watt is with us this evening, folks. And Alan, thanks for being here. Welcome. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah. And what is up with you and I think our, probably our listeners are aware that we don't pre-plan the, the radio broadcast that we yeah. do together, the conversations that we have. Mm-hmm. We're, we're unlimited and uh, uh, we're, we're non, um, what do you call it, uh, corporated. Non-incorporated. Yeah, and non-scripted. Uh-huh. Yeah, non-scripted for sure. Uh-huh. So, so how's it been with you and is, is there anything particular that you... Uh, want to talk about tonight, anything that... Um, that I, I think we've touched on the fact before that so much of what we're living through is pre-planned so long ago by, you know, bigger bigger authorities. And it, I've always been astounded as to the outlets that are allowed for the ones who are waking up. So they go looking for outlets to see what's really going on and of course for many many years it was just the shortwave radio that uh, that was uh, big on this uh, patriot type thing um, they did give out a lot of stuff that wasn't on the mainstream but it always mixed it with other agendas or, or religion you know and uh, many well quite a few years ago in the Toronto Star there was a uh, a write-up on how the American uh, civilian shortwave was set up. Now, now that's not the same as the ham radio. It's the, it's the official shortwave versions like the BBC. And they said that uh, in America they were set up at the beginning of the Cold War by the CIA uh, to give out propaganda uh, against communism. And so they had Christian fronts to do it. And I, I don't think that power has ever been relinquished, to be honest with you. Because uh, on the shortwave, you'll find, and I've always found this, every one of the talk show hosts hits the same topic at the same time, as though that was going round. So there's got to be a communication between them to make them all go for the same things at the same time. Uh, a lot of times I think, for example, if there's a particular quote, guest that has information, uh-huh. they contact the shortwave uh, talk show host, yeah. and the next thing you know, the same person is on, well, this is, you told me this, mm-hmm. uh, the same guest is on everywhere, Yeah. but are you saying, too, that not only with the guest, but mm-hmm. with just the agenda or the... Uh, yeah. Uh, it's the old story, you always give the public uh, a superhero <clears throat> uh, to guide them. 
And the way this plan or game has always been played is that they, they literally plan the future like a war strategy. And we are the battlefield planet Earth. And since they want to do this, 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 and this in the next hundred years or whatever, they also employ all lots of think tanks. And this is known. This is not guessing. Think tanks to work on every angle of response of the public. And so they'll say, well, there'll be certain groups will form to fight this and certain groups will form against that. So they put out in advance well-informed people to start those groups off. And that way, that's why they always go around in circles and, and never really do much. And planet Earth is the battlefield. Oh, it is. Uh. Um, it, it takes my mind immediately back to the Old Testament. Uh-huh. I had an email from a man who read uh, the, the book, Jewish Persecution, that's online, mm-hmm. although it was posted at another website. And he was a person that sounded to me and so he was listening uh-huh. to that voice within, if you would, that uh, what is, whatever we would call it. But he said that when he was reading the Old Testament, he said he, he just, when he read about all of the wars that Jehovah was commanding and the Israelites to uh-huh. go into every town and utterly destroy everything to breathe. Uh-huh. Well, people who believe that that Bible is the holy and divinely inspired word of God, every jot and tittle, uh-huh. including all of the contradictions, mm-hmm. um, wouldn't you think that wars to them are like, well, it's just part of this earth? Hey, oh, yeah. There's no doubt. beginning, Alan? Yeah. Yeah, people who believe in things literally like that, many of them do. Uh, they're very base. They're very basic people. They're... they're they're off the earth, you might say. They're, they're, they're very base people. And, of course, that's part of the whole mystery of religion itself um, and the reasons they give exoteric religions for the general public. Um, a government, uh, in the old days, when you had kings and queens, well, used to be represented by the king or the queen. And so they, they, they used to be... They, the government in times gone by was really uh, the king or the queen. Oh, sure. And they represented uh, the God on earth, you see. Well, the, the divine right to rule. Yeah. And King James made many speeches about that. His right to whatever he did was all right because, you know, God had put him first above all other people. And he had the place of acting as God on earth. And and this was traditional uh, stuff. Today it's more complicated because of the, the myriad of bureaucracies and levels of government. Uh, but but it was always to do with with um, uh, not so much. This is the modern concept. But we'll tell you in the modern times for democracies, government's concern is always to see how much freedom they can allow you to have uh, without going overboard and losing control. How little freedom. Yeah. Uh, well, it seems to be a lot until you really sit down and think about all the things you have to do uh, to please them. Uh, but, in, of course, uh, in days gone by, they didn't even have a pretense of that. Uh, they never thought about how much freedom to give the public. Um, so, so this has been going on for thousands of years. So religions were given 
for that type of, of earth rulership, the, the material world of a pecking order uh, uh, living on the bulk of the people. And uh, it's true enough, uh, if it wasn't for money, none of this could exist. They're building projects. You know, the, the Masons love building projects, building societies, building bridges between countries, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, without money, they couldn't get the public to, to build and work towards their system. They wouldn't be able, as you have said so many times, and I think it always bears repeating, without <coughs> money there could be no standing army. None. That was one of the keys. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what would happen if it were happening naturally, mm -hmm. if there was a group of people that formed a, a, a type of community, like, like the ancient people, mm -hmm. um, and they were being attacked, the people who were defending mm -hmm. their families and their homes, such as they were, would not need to be paid. Oh, absolutely. Uh -huh. And that would be the only time uh -huh. if there was a, an aggressive clan or something that was traveling around. That's right. So once you, once you get money, uh, then you can get a standing regular army, a full-time army uh, that's dedicated to nothing except the military well, and, and conquest. Conquest mm -hmm. and, and control over the people mm -hmm. within that, uh, quote, government or that territory or that state. Yeah. And, and again, people, too, tend through propaganda, fairly recent propaganda, too, in the last hundred years, um, they tend to think of armies as there to defend you against someone over there. But the history of Europe uh, that I hope is never forgotten is that the standing army generally was always used on its own public. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Internal control. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. And the armies are just composed of mercenaries. Because they, they don't get forced them to join, they, they volunteer, and they get paid to do, do whatever they're told to do, and um, they no longer belong to the public. Technically, their bodies are not even theirs anymore. Right, uh, right. not belong to the public, uh -huh. they no longer belong to themselves. That's right, they're privately owned, so, so they become private. And they wear dog tags, Alan. And dog tags, yeah. That's just, you know, uh -huh. that's something that never occurred to well, you'll find that in Shakespeare. You know, Shakespeare um, uh, wrote about it. Winston Churchill used to quote that phrase uh, in his, his speeches, uh, let loose the dogs of war. Yeah. The dogs of war. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, this is an old term used for them, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even the, the old uh, naval language they used, they'd often call them sea dogs, you know. And uh, you old dog, they call them dogs, yeah. And backwards, that would spell God. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And backwards, God spells dog. Mm -hmm. I don't even like using that word anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but this is an old, old system. And so all the tribute is given to uh, mythical characters. No doubt there was some beginning somewhere. We'll never know the truth of it. But uh, in some versions in the Babylonian tradition, they had uh, the beginning with Nimrod, who was the builder of cities. And a city is the first artificial creation. 
It's an unnatural creation because it can't even support itself. It has to introduce a money system to exchange for, for goods. The goods must be brought into them. Uh, you can't barter in the city. There's only so many turnips you can pass around for your rent, you know. Uh, so therefore, uh, they have money. So money and a city go together. And then once you have the money in place, then you can create the standing army. And that's what they did. They've been often conquered rural areas and forced them to take money. And then that way they could take it back from them in taxes, which was which represented their labor, basically. And of course, in the the, the, the Hebrew type version, uh, or whenever it was written, I think it was much later, to be honest. But uh, Cain was the same character. Cain in, the, in that version, because they all had the same a different name for the same thing. But Cain was the first artificer who who made weapons and metal. Uh, the first builder and so on, whereas the Babylonians had their had their Nimrod. Same. Uh, in other words, just the same. Yeah. Alleged person with a different name. That's right. So, so it all, all goes back to the beginning of a system, and that's the key to it. There's a system, a system which uses money, uh, uses commerce. Um, it does away with barter, and because everyone eventually gets on the money system, then the people are easily controlled to start working for money rather than food or for what they need. Uh, well, yeah. and since it is the system under which we struggle today, uh-huh. as you've said, I mean, I, you say we shouldn't even be using money, or yeah. you know, and there's no way that money can be used for good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't particularly. That does that doesn't ring true for me because uh, given that money is the means of exchange, there's no the means, yeah. Yeah, well now because yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I don't believe that everybody that has money would necessarily not use it for good. It's it's an individual thing, and I do understand that probably the majority of people who have a lot of money are people who strove and strove and strove because money meant everything to them. Yeah, well, especially since governments, uh, governments simply inherit the, the previous government and the same system and the same types of people go into government. And so money to them is a tool. Right. It's, it's really a tool which is used by those who own it and control it because we then work for them, make for them those very things, those agendas, even the weaponry which they use on us, we pay for that through the money that they take back in taxes. And then they can, they can even employ us, in fact, to work and make their weaponry for them. And so that's the key to that. As long as there's that streak of craving for power within society, you'll always have that, that weapon industry going on. And there are exceptions to that. But you'll never get exceptions on a, on a general level. Those who seek power in government right. have the same problem. Well, they have the same yeah. uh, personalities, don't they? They do, and that's why you... See, decent people don't even try to get into government. Right. <laughs> and, and if they do, they can't get in because they're not allowed in. You have to join the club uh, to get in there. And we had one politician who joined the the state or provincial government in Queen's Park. 
and he wrote a book about his experiences. He says he, first they tried to bring him in like an old boy. Uh, here's what really happens, and uh, and uh, this is the real world here. And he saw the perks and how they they help themselves and all the rest of it. And of course, the whole idea is to get you to simply go along and join them and do the same kind of things. And when you didn't do that, then they all together turned against them and tried to set them up. Yeah. Absolutely, and it, it just that probably same thing has always been happening, and and of course it still is today. Uh-huh. And I was thinking of Wes Cooley uh-huh. from Oregon. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned him before. Yeah. Wes was a state legislator, I think a senator, and was uh, elected at that time mainly by grassroots. That's before vote scam was socially mm-hmm. uh, prevalent. But Wes was one of those people. Yeah. And he uh, was on the air uh, with me, and I had many conversations with him. No, I don't think I ever brought Wes on the air. I met him because I got an email that said, please get me help him. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not getting involved in anything. I don't know this man. <coughs> and then so he called me, and while we were talking, his wife was faxing me data, government papers, the whole thing. And, yeah. um, and that's the one thing Wes wouldn't do. We even write uh, directly when they got there, their orientation, that the, the Republicans on one, went to one phase, the Democrats went to another. Yeah. And um, they were at the Heritage Foundation, or this orientation was set up uh-huh. by the president of the Heritage Foundation. And um, when they were asked, stand up and say something about themselves and who they were, and Wes got up and he said who he was, why he was there, mm-hmm. and he didn't like what was going on. Yeah. He said, I believe that this is a brainwashing session, yes. and I believe that our uh, colleagues on the other side of the aisle are undergoing the same thing right now, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, uh, this guy's name, the president of the Heritage Foundation, is escaping me for the moment, but anyway, he said, well... Uh, we should have lunch. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'll have lunch with you, but I still mean what I said. Mm-hmm. And when he did go to lunch with the guy, he told Wes, he said, you're older than most of the freshman congressmen. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, he said, you will be able to climb the political ladder quickly. Yeah. And you will be maybe you will be assigned a seat on committees. Mm-hmm. And Wes said, I'm not here. Please excuse that. I'm sorry. Um, he, he said, I'm not here to climb a political ladder. Mm-hmm. I'm here because I don't like what's happening to our country through the government, and I might be only here for one term, but whatever. He said, I am here to do whatever I can to turn that around. Mm-hmm. And Wes Cooley was run out of office and shamed and almost went to prison, mm-hmm. uh, which the man was in his early 60s. What He, 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 he was actually charged with falsifying information on on his campaign pamphlet. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so there were double charges for the primary and then the regular election. Yeah. And it was going to cost this man $250,000 and possibly 10 years in jail. Mm-hmm. Paul Weyrich, Mr. Conservative American, was the one behind the push to get him out. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Yeah. And there was no doubt with all of the information she sent me, I knew that it, well, and besides with our conversation, mm-hmm. uh, when he mentioned Paul Weirich, oh, it was Paul Weirich that was at that meeting. Yeah, I yeah. said, 
Paul Weirich? He says, you know him? I said, I know who he is. And I said, oh, my God. And not only that, he wouldn't go along with the, uh, not the Republican agenda, nor the, uh, you know, the Democratic. And, mm-hmm. and it was one of the Green uh, movements. I forget what it was. It was some bill, environmental thing. He wouldn't go for it. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they, he, he, w- he wouldn't go along with either crowd, basically, and that's what happened to it. Yeah. Yeah, they don't mess around. Oh, no, no, they don't. And that's the real world again. Uh, it's the real world. That's how it really is. And it's the same in every country. And if you look at how people start off to get into politics, uh, they're told when they're maybe 20 or so to start, or even before university, start off with social groups and discussion groups. Then they go into to voluntary uh, chair members of charity works, uh, drug rehab places, uh, any kind of board they can join to get their resumes built up. And they don't care. They don't care what board they're on. And they literally go from one to the next in, in the course of a day, one after another, just to build up their resumes. And, and this is just the format, plus you'll find at the top of each one of these chairing boards, uh, the top person is usually a, the high mason, and everyone seems to understand uh, instinctively, or they've been told, this is the man that break, makes or breaks you, he'll pass you or, or, or give you the thumbs down. And, and that's who you have to please when you join these voluntary boards that they go on. Uh, that's how the system starts off. So, so what you get are the ones who are compliant. They're quite happy to go along with everything. They watch the corruption just on their way up through the charity work, and they keep their mouths shut. And that's how they get up into politics. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Yep. They don't try to quote fuck the system. That's it. <laughs> that's it. So that's you end up with, with basically psychopathic types that get up there. Uh, for any of our listeners. Uh, that just might be interested while we're talking about West Coley, whatever happened to him, uh, because I said he almost could have gone to prison. Mm-hmm. That was why I was contacted was, please, can we find some people to be there at, uh, you know, at the court, the date that was set. Mm-hmm. And I so I put an email out on it, and evidently there were quite a few people there. I don't know that that had anything to do with it. West was found not guilty. But if he had been found guilty, um, it would have been, well, 10 years in prison for him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the real world. That's how it works. That's how it works. And it's the same with the bureaucracies. And the bureaucracies are unelected. They're, they're generally third, fourth, fifth generation bureaucrats to intermarry each other. Uh, they're brought up in the golden circle around their capital. And um, introduced to each other, and you might even say the marriages are pretty well arranged or expected. At least that's what the Germany they generally call it expected, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they themselves know when they go into their their, uh, their their bureaucracy what their agenda will be generally for the rest of their life. And that's how the UN has worked since it was first signed, and before that, the League of Nations. It was before that, the League to Enforce. Yeah, and the concert of Europe before that, you know, it's goes on and on and on. So this has been the same movement done through the ages to get us to where we're going. And it's done primarily by bypassing the politicians who are always told to look the other way, and that's how you get by in politics. You know when to look the other way. <laughs> and the bureaucrats really do it all, you know. You 
getting back to, because I don't know if I completed uh, my thought uh, when I said that I had received an email from the gentleman that had read the book, and he mentioned, because I mentioned in, in the book, Jewish Persecution, it really needs a different title, but I mentioned about the Old Testament, Jehovah, and he said that when he read that, it, it, something just didn't seem right. And when you mentioned previous to that, the people who do believe that are just, they're based. I believe that there are a lot of people who read that because after we began discussing it and talking about it on air, then I would hear from people, and maybe you probably, most probably, you did too, that said, you know, I always have had these questions. And Another, but they're afraid to question because they're told that you may not question God. How dare you? And so they're actually, they, they're, when they're reading it, Alan, and, and going, oh, wait a minute, what's wrong with this picture? Then they get scared that they're even questioning the divine. Yeah, which is the most perfect form of mind control. Oh, gosh, of course it is. Because you, you're then censoring yourself. Of course, it is self-censorship. Uh -huh, yeah. Alan, it was like what happened to me that time I started reading uh, uh, Ness Webster's book on Germany and England. Mm -hmm. And she was mentioning the Bolshevik Jews in there. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry about this. Uh, I need, I'm going to, I'm going to ask the girls to let these dogs out. Molly is the house guard. She, she looks out every window and then starts to, <laughs> Probably the littlest bunny, and just a minute here, I'm sorry. Would you uh, put their collars on them and let them out? They're barking like crazy in there. Um, anyway, we're talking about self-censorship, so to speak. Uh, she was mentioning in this book, Germany and England, and for any of our listeners, it is at the website in the books online section, and I think it's also in How Wars Are Made. Behind the scenes, it was a small one. But she, when she mentioned Bolshevik Jews, Alan, I kind of thought, I gasped. And I thought, she sounds like an anti-Semite. And as I continued reading, I, I, I felt so confused that I felt almost like I shouldn't even be reading this. And I shared that with our listeners. I said, if you want to know how brainwashed we are, I was reading that book in the privacy of my own home and feeling uncomfortable and guilty about reading something negative about Jews. Mm -hmm. yeah. See? So I've been there, done that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, in this world, if you want to think at all, you've got to be able to look at everything, including your own cultures. And nothing can be taken for granted. Not, uh, nothing, none of the norms. And your own constitution that you would, uh, uh -huh. you would give your life to protect. Or even the church that you were, you're the umpteenth generation of. Yeah. When you look at uh, the descendants of uh, the Vatican uh, and the slaughters they committed, you know, um, against many European peoples and uh, the Albigensian Crusades, you know, and the Cathars. Uh, any other uh, ultimate force to use power and slaughter to keep people in line. 
is a Kathar. Is that C-A-T-H-A-R? Yeah. Okay. I've been pronouncing it Kathar. Yeah, well, they actually called it Kathari, you know. Kathari. With, with an I at the end. Okay. It's an English. Is a warring group also? No. The Kathars were a, a breakaway sect from religion, from Catholicism. Okay, good. Uh, you know what? Mm-hmm. We have to take a three-minute break here. Yeah. I'd like you to just expand on that a little bit. Mm-hmm when we get back on the other side of this, okay? Yeah. And folks, we'll be back uh, after this with back with Alan, so do stay with us. Uh, Alan? Yep. The the Cathars? Oh, the Cathars, yeah. Uh, Yeah, but these were... I read them a long time ago. Uh And I've read... I don't know if it was Beecham's book or not, but you said that they they were uh, they disenfranchised themselves from the religion, from the church. Yeah, they almost had a mirror image in some respects. They had their own hierarchy of bishops, and uh, they had their own community areas or towns. Um, they did have a sort of right of confession at the end of life that was the only time I think they they had to confess um, they, they believed this world was ruled by Satan and uh, a lot of uh, them uh, there was a mixture of ex-Jews and ex-Catholics that given up their religions and so you had a mixture of Kabbalah um, early Kabbalah not the full one that's finished centuries later uh, all of the Kabbalah wasn't complete then, uh, but it had a form of that. And they had part of the esoteric teaching of the Old Testament that's not taught to the public. So um, the Catholic war went to war on them, and the Albigensians, they could just call them different names for the areas they lived in. The Albigensians, huh? the church warred against them, or the Albigensians? Uh, the church warred against them and the Cathars. There were, the Cathars and Albigensians were really just the same peoples in different areas, generally in parts of France or towards Spain, okay. uh, some in the north of France and in the Languedoc area. And, 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 and were they pretty much slaughtered and scattered? Yeah, the last crusade was against them. It wasn't against the Middle East. Wow. And even brought in the Knights Templars to take part in it. Um, and the Knights Templars at that time had become basically the world's bankers. Uh, the only ones allowed to, to charge interest and not be taxed officially permitted by the church. So you had a lot of these big boys coming against them. But uh, even though they were persecuted, um, you'll find a lot of people will hide behind persecution in history. And they didn't all get killed. Many of them escaped, I'm sure. And I noticed even in the last uh, Winter Olympics held in France, in the particular area it was held, that was one of the, the Qatar regions. And they even had uh, the dancers at the end dancing with tarot cards and this kind of thing, dressed up like tarot cards because that was part of the religion in that area at one time. That's what they were referring to. So the Qatars did have a mixture of um, earlier Kabbalah uh, and a form of Christianity. They believe that Satan ruled the world, which is the Demiurgos. 
that is the truth behind in the, in the esoteric. It was always understood. Wait, say that word again, demiurge? Yeah, the demiurge from the Greek is the lord of the world, uh, the lord of the physical. That's why the laws of the physical uh, god or deity are always harsh and uh, resolute. There's no real humanity in them because it deals purely with the world of the physical. And that's exoterically what the Old Testament would be for the West. Every religion's got their version. Every people's got their own version. Even in China, they've had different versions. So, so the Cathars did not believe it was a favor to bring a soul into this world. Uh, that was part of the religion. And they did become fairly wealthy um, because they traded amongst themselves the mountainous regions. Um, they had their own rights, secret meetings, and uh, uh, they did it of a form, supposedly according to the Catholic Church, of a mass orgy uh, on certain high holy days, always in a place underground or inside caves in the mountains. When you say orgy, are we talking sexual orgy? Yeah. Huh. And that was part of that, too. And, and so you're seeing rights uh, and, and more of an esoteric understanding, which went all the way back to pre, you know, to Babylon at least, probably pre-Babylon, uh, of, of the esoteric meanings behind the exoteric religions that are given. Um, they also had a, a, an upper priesthood called the Perfecti. And the, but the secret of the Perfecti is that once you became perfected, then the God, and you're, and you're up there with the gods, then the rules that, that the gods make no, no longer apply to the perfecti. So they could break all the laws that they gave to the people beneath them, which is very similar to the people who are running the world today. The, 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 the Cathars and Albigensians had these guys? Yeah. And so the people beneath them had to follow all the rules, etc. What were their rules, all physical worlds? Um, no, they, they, they were not to try and get so dearly attached to the physical world uh, that, they would, that they would become so ruthless um, and exploit one another, which is again of the law of the physical world in a monetary system. Um, and so on the bottom, it, it was a good idea, like most religions in a sense have all their good points too, but the electi or the perfecti who was above them didn't have to follow those rules, and that's what came out when the Catholics went in, uh, when the church went in to investigate uh, these uh, these ones called the perfecti. And if you look at the push towards global citizenship and the religions that they believe in, uh, they all contain vast elements that came from the Cathar and Albigensian. Uh, they believe in reincarnation at the top of a special perfected soul that does not have to be here. And they have the right to rule on earth since they are here. But, but, but they aren't spiritually based. In other words, they're founded. In other words, was this perfecti, were they, you said they didn't have to follow the rules or the laws? That was made for the people below. Well, were they bad people? I mean, did they uh, use that, misuse? Well, it was almost that they didn't, not only didn't have to follow it, they did the reverse of it. Okay. So they could accumulate wealth. Okay. They could uh, dominate. They could exploit. Um, so you have, you have this dualistic uh, 
minutes is too much to give up to explain. But um, but this religion has so much to do for the perfectile class of the bunch that's running the world today. Huh. Uh, because is it a possibility that they originally banded together uh-huh. uh, for uh, a good purpose, in other words, to get away from the dogma and doctrine and lies of the church, uh-huh. and could they have been infiltrated? It's possible. On the other hand, rather than being infiltrated, those who, who planned to, to rule it in the first place might have given it to them. I'm sorry, I'm talking over you. Yeah? It's, so in other words, it was the controlled opposition to... It could very well be, yeah. In, in, in other words, well, if the perfecti mm-hmm. were the ones in charge right from the get-go, yeah. and they weren't the good guys, mm-hmm. then you have to... Yeah, I mean, what other... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very similar to... Well, yeah, it's similar to all masonry, what we normally today call Freemasonry. Uh, if you look at the Mormon church, uh, you have two main classes... You have uh, the, the the ones who who go to church and do what they're told, listen to the elders, and marry who they're told, etc. And then you have the electi above them. Now the electi are always male, and they get into the upper temple, and they are initiated into the same uh, degrees as all Freemasons are. There's a difference between electi and perfecti. Uh, well, we're talking two religions here. <laughs> the the perfecti, remember, were were for the Albigensians and Cathars. And the electorate are for the Mormons, but when you when you put them together, it's very very they're all very similar. Same thing. Uh, yeah. So so there's always a secret group above that goes through rituals, and um, all Masonic rituals to the same Masonic rituals is all. You know the way it looks to me as you're explaining this. Uh-huh. There were those who were listening, if you would. They weren't safe. They didn't go along with the religion, uh-huh. and when the sleeping giant begins to awaken, mm-hmm. then the elite say, uh-oh, yeah. we've got a problem here, yeah. and they just create their own opposition and control it. Same mm-hmm. as Martin Luther. Oh, I, well, Martin Luther was definitely put out there. However, that's your key to it. Um, see, one power ruling over, and this is what's going to happen, too, if they were to get their way and have a world government. Uh, or they're called the World Corporation, probably, you know, sure. like they've had in movies. When you have no opposition, the public know who the enemy is. And after a long time, they start to disobey it in many different ways. And so if you create something that appears to attack your institution, it's strange that the public will actually go towards the government structure or the, or the, the religious structure. So the Catholic Church needed an enemy. To, to get to pull the people closer to them, to try. People were getting restless. They get restless, and when when their religion is suddenly threatened, even if the people are grouching themselves about it, they'll they'll still draw into it to protect it as a natural instinct. So so they use this all down through the ages. The controlled opposition serves the purpose too, uh-huh. because they separate out those yeah. who will not move in to protect their religion. Mm-hmm. They they they. They pull them out and control them in another way. Yeah. Well, the Catholic Church used to go in with the Inquisition all through Europe. And uh, the, the whole town would have to come out or the village and assemble in front of them. And then they would go into a dialogue with the people and, and say that. You know, he, he, first they 
terrified the hell out of them. Uh, generally, an illiterate people. And uh, they ask for people to volunteer if they've been involved in any witchcraft and this kind of thing. And that's and, and many of them would suddenly come forward, knowing that if they volunteered first, they, all they had to do was to, even if they hadn't done anything, uh, all you had to do was say, yes, I did, I saw someone on a broomstick or whatever. And uh, then you had to ask for forgiveness, a penance, then you were you were free. But if you kept silent and said nothing, they wouldn't believe you. <laughs> they torture you. They torture you, yeah. Uh, nothing changes because now they're torturing people for, for the U.S. and different places offshore. And once you're tortured, you'll confess to anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that so probably the majority of them that stepped forth mm-hmm. weren't, but they knew what would happen if they did stay quiet. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to come forward en masse and all admit you've been involved in something uh-huh. and do your penance and uh, have it over and done with, and then that you are free. Uh-huh. Well, and when you look at the purpose that Martin Luther served, uh-huh. Um, oh, excuse me, Brandon, don't let her in. Do not let her in until I'm done, honey. Sorry, Alan. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he served a wonderful purpose because for those who had had it with the church, and uh, what I recall was that was at around the time, I mean, what I read, uh-huh. that was at around the time when they were actually selling indulgences mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 understanding my understanding of that is, you know, if you had committed a sin or something, mm-hmm. all you had to do when the church representative came around yeah. is give them something, pay them, mm-hmm. and then your sins were forgiven. Yeah. And they said that the, they, they took in so much money, they actually had to rake the money up. Oh, yes. I know. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. there was my... But you could also pay in installments. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or with a, a kind of beer. Yeah. If they didn't have any money to give, mm-hmm. uh, and the people were saying, "What the heck is going on here?" Yeah. So there comes Martin Luther, and he nails the thing to the door and says, "We're not going to take it anymore." Mm-hmm. And he was the opposition to yeah. the church, but they brought all of the lies into the protesters' churches, the Protestants. Well, they got the they got the dialectic process going. Yeah. And but you see, the Catholic Church has been created really. This is the key to it. They've been created for for an agricultural-based peoples run on feudalism. That was the key to it. Now, they knew that they had to, because the Great Plan was already in effect you know, in the 1500s, they knew they had to change the world into a new system for a coming industrial area where science would take over and work towards the great work of perfecting all that was left and perfect. That's the whole world and everything in it. And so they had to create a new work ethic, and that's what you hear with Protestantism. It brought in what they called a work ethic. And sure enough, it brought in a new type of man who would stay at home at night and do his bookkeeping, and he'd be up there till midnight, and that was a good gentleman, you see, uh, doing his figures and his sums and counting his money for investments. So that was the new era. Now, Martin Luther himself, his family crest, has three crosses and three roses on it. So it's a rose and cross, Rosicrucian. And that's the key to it as well. And and the other key is the fact they could have either killed them or burned them or that's what they want with them. And in Will Durant's book on the, uh, the book on the, uh, what did they call it? Shoot. Well, during that era, uh-huh. 
he hated the mob. Yeah, he did. He despised the ordinary person. Yeah. He was an elitist himself. Reformation, that's the, uh -huh. that's the book, Will Durant's book. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Luther definitely uh, was an elitist. He did not believe that the ordinary man could, could understand the, the deeper mysteries and, and shouldn't be given the power, you know. He, he, he believed that they should be kept in their place. Yeah, keep them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you look at the, the ones who brought the Protestantism into Scotland, like John Knox, who brought it in, that was all part of this Rosicrucian movement at the time. John Knox, like many others, had run off to Geneva uh, for sanctuary, uh, this, this uh, early Rosicrucian Masonic type uh, refuge, and then he came back um, when it was over and done with, and, and the Protestants had had got in. Uh, so yeah, these characters helped push the Industrial Revolution, and, and the Catholics were left basically with the other countries, that, that, which are now called Third World, uh, which are still basically rural and agricultural. So that was the the, the, the whole thing with the Protestant movement, um, the work, the new work ethic towards industry. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good argument, Alan, for uh -huh. not joining groups yes. and not labeling ourselves uh -huh. a, quote, Protestant, Baptist, yeah. Republican, Democrat, whatever. Yeah, whatever, yeah. You don't, we don't need labels. Yeah, I get asked sometimes, well, what are you? And people will, will, will yeah, they'll email me and they'll say, what are you, you know? And, and are you this, that, or the other? And I say, no. I say, if you, I say, if you have a wall of pigeonholes, then all you'll have is the view of the entrance. Yep. You'll see nothing else for the rest of your life because you're in a pigeonhole. Yeah. And one of them asked me a bit further, and I says, "Well, it depends what end of you sticking out the pigeonhole." Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Everyone wants to categorize you because they generally have put themselves in a box. I'm uh, I'm back into a book that I began quite a while ago. Uh -huh. It's called God's Change and Consciousness. Mm -hmm. it, it's very, very interesting. Uh, but the author made a statement, and I want to share this, Alan, where we don't have too much time left. Uh -huh. it, it's a simple statement, but you know how we've talked about the country versus the city? Um that cities are artificial, mm -hmm. and the countries, the, the country nature mm -hmm. is real. Is in other words, in order to be able to make that spiritually consciousness, mm -hmm. the closer we are to nature, the closer we are to that. Mm -hmm. And and he defined it this way. He said nature is the physical level of reality. Mm -hmm. Now, don't you think that's a good way to define that? Yeah. Uh -huh. It is the physical level of reality. Uh -huh. And I, I, because, you know, you and I have talked about this before. I uh, could find myself very much in love with, if you would, the beauty. In fact, I would have to say that I feel that. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I, I've told this before, that one day, that one spring, I was standing out in the big garden, watering the bean sprouts coming up, uh-huh. and just looking around at the beauty. Yeah. And the blue sky with no chemtrails in it, and everything greening up, the meadows just rolling around before me. And I just said, oh, Father, thank you for this beauty that you have given us. And then I turned around and looked, and there was a rainbow in my spray that I was putting yeah. my hose. Mm-hmm. And the thought that occurred to me is, if this wasn't such a nasty place to be, mm-hmm. we might never want to go home, Alan. That's right. Because you feel that such uh, an awe, in a sense, mm-hmm. of the beauty of nature. Well, that leads it right back to what we're saying. Um, the key to all corruption here is this plan to perfect all that which they claim, they claim was left imperfect. I mean, what a boast, what an incredible... Arrogant. And mad, mad boast. Because there's nothing that you can look around and see in nature that doesn't boggle or stagger the mind in its complexity. And it's all perfected already, you know. Uh, and yet they, even the scientists, that are, yeah, they can find out ways to alter them. They still don't understand them. But they want to alter everything on this planet to make it more efficient, you see. Well, the, efficient for what purpose? Well, to serve their needs. You know, the one thing I've thought about mm-hmm. in nature is that beast eating bees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the food chain. Yeah. And I wondered, the predators... Uh, of course, they're, you know, they're made to eat meat, so they kill. Uh-huh. And uh, it just goes right on down the line. Mm-hmm. And that almost looks, it looks or feels hideous to me. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see, I used to, you know, watch the Discovery Network. Oh, yeah. I don't subscribe to it anymore, but it was so not nice. Uh-huh. And I wondered if the world was perfect, let's say if it was, mm-hmm. that that wouldn't have to be. Uh, I think it's not even that. Even that's trying to control. Uh, nature was meant to be understood and accepted as it was. Do you think that was nature? Yeah, there's no doubt that there's always been different kinds of animals that have, have fed on each other. And even the ones that eat grass are still eating grass, you know. I know. Everything's eating something. I know. Uh, however, the, the problem is when you have uh, the deviancy creeps in. Uh, animals know when they're filled, when they have been filled. Uh, they don't simply gorge themselves. Uh, yeah. And, and they don't do it for pleasure either, you know. It's not a, they don't get a kick off of having power. Right, thank you for that. Uh, we're the only creatures that can that can happen too. Uh-huh. And so the problem uh, definitely is within certain segments of society, certain individuals in society. And, and that's the problem. We have the psychopathic ones who must succeed in this particular moneyed uh, system where... where when you have made it, when you have made it to the top, you become a Donald Trump. Uh, you've conned, uh, been cunning, you've outwitted all those around you, you've stabbed everybody in the back to get up. You're now called successful. This is what we're taught to worship. 
that's that we're actually worshipping the psychopath. This is the problem. From the city creation of ancient times to the present, the psychopath can only but succeed in it because they use all kinds of cruelty and measures to get up there. Ordinary people uh, don't want that kind of power. They don't want to walk over people uh, or destroy them on the way up. Yeah. And those are the people that would never get in the position uh-huh. because they wouldn't walk over people. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So that's our problem. And, and all the media, look at every magazine on the shelves, uh, is, is worship the stars, worship the stars, the multi-millionaires. Uh, that's all we hear. Yeah. And that's what, unfortunately, what the public have been trained for. And that's why, over the last so many years, we've been losing our conscience. Yeah. Losing our conscience. Yeah. That's losing our soul, isn't it? Absolutely. That's yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. Our hour went by very fast tonight. Yeah, it did. Yes, it did. And we've got about 40 seconds left to give our listeners your website. Of course, they can link to it from sweetliberty.org. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And there's uh, three or four more shows going up there in the next couple of days. Videos? Um, one of them is a TV station that's streaming now, in fact, that out there television. Okay. That was over 30 odd countries. I had no idea it was all over. Wonderful. Yeah. And they'll be going up today? Uh, probably tomorrow. By tomorrow. Uh, Thanks, Alan. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Okie doke. Folks, tune in Monday and Tuesday for Darren Week. He does Sweet Liberty two nights a week, and I'm with you on Wednesday. And thank you for being here. We will see you next Wednesday. Good night. God bless you.